The Incomparable Podcast, number 43, June 2011. We're back on The Incomparable Podcast. The TV season, or at least the traditional network TV season, has wrapped up. And as a result, we want to check in on uh, one of our favorite shows. And, uh, well, maybe it's not our favorite show. One of the shows that is available. Let's let's <laughs> not judge it. it this it, is the most politically correct podcast Many ever. shows are available. This is one. I am talking about Fox Television's um, sci-fi series Fringe. And joining me today, I'm Jason Snell, your host. Joining me today to discuss Fringe are Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hello, Jason. And John Syracuse. Hi, John. Hi, Jason. John is in an alternate universe, just so you know. This is this is the alternate John. We're all in an alternate universe, Dan. He is actually he is actually hypocritical. Interesting. Strange you wouldn't have seen that coming. That's a he he has a, a serious lack of criticism. Yeah, he just loves everything. Wow. Ask him about real genius. That's <laughs> me. <laughs> Sorry, that was me. I will but it was not. Funny. Well, you think it was funny. In a parallel I, universe, it was funny. I am only here to amuse myself, and as such, doing great so Job far. Job done. Excellent work. So, um, so Fringe, we we talked about it. In fact, were you guys on that podcast where we talked about sci-fi TV in the fall? I believe I was. This podcast yeah, has been on so long now that I don't even remember. Uh, there are too many episodes. So, so Fringe, I thought it has been a show that has generally gotten better over time as they've gotten to evolve their story. And this season we really got to see, I think their kind of full blown um, concept of the two parallel universes and um, all the different, all the different uh, ramifications of that. Um, And uh, you know, but it's interesting to look back on it from the, from when, where we, started this season this season started with this idea that olivia had been swapped with her duplicate and she had been like locked up in a in a in a cell in the alternate universe and the duplicate olivia was in place but what we ended up getting was um sort of alternating storylines for a while where we were in one universe and we're in the other universe and you know i i really liked it i thought that worked really well and was a great use of the cast being able to be two different characters but it still being one show I really enjoyed it, and it's funny because around the time the season started, I watched an interview with I don't remember if it was the I think it was just the cast or a few of the the main members, um, and they kept stressing this idea that like their goal was to make you care about those alternate versions of the characters, like not just having them be gimmicks, like like the evil Kirk, right, like on Star Trek, but to actually have you sort of sympathize with those alternate characters. And they said, you know, if we've done that, then our job is really, is really done. And I think they actually managed to pull that off. Like, you know, there were in almost, I mean, there are a few almost entire episodes in which we don't see our universe. Right. And i still felt really engaged and like interested in what was going on. I really came to like a lot of the characters in the alternate universe um, it gave us a chance to like play around with some characters who I felt like got kind of short shrift in our universe, like Charlie, for example. Right. Um, who they killed off. And right, yet- right. And so we get the alternate version and he's kind of, you know, I think he's, he, there's something about a lot of the characters in the alternate universe that are almost more, I mean, it's more of a science fiction universe in some right. ways. So, and the characters are, I think, a little more allowed to do like slightly crazier stuff or be a little more off the wall. I mean, like the, the, the alternate Olivia, um, 
and they and they they point this out i think which i which i found interesting because a lot of people sort of characterize anna torv's you know performance in that first season and two as as very you know wooden and reserved and i think you know seeing her play the alternate olivia that we've realized that like a lot of that's the character right <laughs> and not necessarily her she's capable of playing a character who's a little more you know outgoing and uh has a little more you know spark to her but um that's just they're different they're different people i think it gave everybody um all the actors uh, some really nice material in that they get to differentiate themselves a little bit but you're right i think that anna torv showed it the most because olivia is such a button down character she's just locked in she's your you know tough fbi agent you know very serious personality and so uh, you know she got to do a lot of other kind of wacky stuff that is is beyond what she was asked to do before and i think she did show a lot more range than i than i had given her credit for the one that surprised me the most was uh walter because i mean obviously it's it's an actor playing a character in the wacky walter and in the main universe but the lord of the the, rings uh, he's 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 nuts too right so yeah, you know, but you a different but kind of nuts. But, but, but the Walter, Walter like oh. it, it, it looks like almost like they use CG to change his face <laughs> because his whole like he stands up straight and he's he's much more grim and his face looks less rumply and they comb his hair and he just looks so different and acts so different and it's totally convincing. I I actually like Walter it better than Walter. Yeah, I he's actually, just so I hardcore. Thought, you know, I, I thought in the season finale I had a I had a feeling that they were going to kill Walter and leave us with the Walter net, which would have been sort of sad and yet would have been fascinating because you'd still have the same actor and and they're both great characters. Yeah, the Walter net, such a hundred and eighty degree shift from Walter. I guess the idea in the show is that Walter was so um, he actually removed parts of his brain because he was yeah he's all messed up. Yeah, he's just he's messed up and sort of purposefully I, messed I, up in some ways. Yeah. I love his I love I would be sad to see Walter go. I felt like because for no other reason than those, you know, the first two seasons don't work. You know, like he is the, the most interesting part of oh, the yeah. show the for the first scientist. two seasons. Him and the cow, right? Yeah, and yeah. and so, Astrid. So the first uh, <laughs> for the first two seasons I I felt like they burned through a lot of their character their character setups that they had done like so you have the relationship thing between pacey and and uh what's her face oh you call him pacey and, uh, too i call that's what every, we call everyone him. does that pacey yeah he's called he's pacey sorry it's and, a shame uh, that pa- that peter in the alternate universe died but or in yeah. our universe but then they went to the alternate universe and brought back pacey pacey bishop and, and you have walter with his guilt over his son and he's in, in the insane asylum like they had a bunch of setup of like what here are the tensions between the characters <laughs> And sort of like once Peter gets together, you know, it's kind of like once Mulder and Scully get together, that's kind of, you know, what do you do now? You got to like re-break them up and then put them back together. You got to send in the alternate or whatever. Walter, like we found that his brain was messed up. We, you know, his son pretty much forgave him and not, that tension from the first season is gone. Uh, he settled into his work, you know, like all those things were starting to resolve themselves. And then you got to have to get into like secondary and tertiary conflicts where you either reinvoke the original conflict or try to gin up some new one. The alternate universe gives you a whole new set of conflicts because these characters have different relationships. You know, they're not in the same relationships, and there's different tensions between people. Like traditionally, you know, there's the, the romance things where person A is interested in person B, but are they going to get together? There's a couple more of those in the alternate universe, and there's you know, is this character irredeemably evil versus is he going to you know have feelings for his son and stuff like that? So in season two, they started to introduce those, and in season three, it was like, well. We're getting kind of tired of the main universe because we've burned through all of our stock there. So let's do a whole bunch of stuff in the alternate universe where everything can be like fresh and new again. Where like we can look at they're the same actors and they're really the same, you know, people supposedly, 
but it's all new situations and we can expect different things out of them. Uh, now, for the for the next season, I wonder, are they going to make a third universe? Like, is this well, going to no. be, you know... I, I well, actually... we saw a, a glimpse at a third universe, right? Well, it's... it's it's Well, so there's a couple things going on. I, I do want to get there because I, I have an idea about what's going to happen in the next season, too. But to, to talk about the, the, um, the two sets for a little bit longer, um, you know, you're right. I, I agree completely. I, I think not only did they allow us to see these alternate versions, and Dan... You know, it's so true. These are the like X Men versions of the Fringe Division. They're the establishment. They have right. big, a big, cool they, headquarters, and, and they stuff. got a truck that they drive around in. And they're, I mean, but, like they've been doing all this stuff a lot longer, right? Right. Like, because got, we messed. They because know about Walter the Amber. Up, yeah. Right. So the Amber and the Vortexes <laughs> and the and all those like you know the 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 cracks in the universe. They they have to deal with. They're that. living and in so a sci fi universe, basically. Right. They, a, they're like they're like a too. few years ahead of yeah, us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it Basically, is a police right. state. There's some really interesting stuff because by putting our Olivia there and then having her gradually figure out who she is, uh, which is an interesting choice. I'm not. It seemed kind of um, weird and strained to me in a little bit, but it did allow her to be our eyes and and the you know in addition to the cute things like the DC Comics covers that are different and the fact that the Dodgers still play in Brooklyn and that the, and the West the West Wing is still on. Yeah, the, that was my but, favorite but little throwaway. The World Trade Center is still standing. Um, all of these things, it is because of this, uh, all the vortexes and all that that happened because of our what our Walter did. Um, it is a police state. Everybody has their show me's and and, you know, basically um, everybody is watched and everything is locked down, which is uh, right. and, interesting. And we, do we ever even hear reference to a president or is it really seem like I think like they say Walter? that Obama is the president at one point. That's actually. right. They do at some point. But the second it seems very much like Walter Nitt, the secretary of defense, is pretty much in charge of everything. Well, right. He's making, like, he's making he's, universe destroying decisions right. unilaterally. Essentially. So, so, so the yeah, president's so allowed I, to, you know, control the army, but he's allowed to annihilate the universe yes. without consulting anyone else. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> that is the ultimate authority. Yeah. You know, you yeah. got to break through I'll, it. I, I want to I want to give props to um, a, a relatively a character who I feel like was introduced as a relatively minor character and and grew to be one of my favorite characters and that's Lincoln Lee Lincoln I love I and that's I'm a big fan I liked Seth Gable he was previously in a show called uh, Dirty Sexy Money that did not last very long yeah. in which he played kind of a spoiled uh, rich brat that's right and that it's was a so good nice show. to see yeah it's so nice to see him play another part that he was always very likable on that show and I think they've given him something you know they turned him into like a badass in this show and so he he first appears what at the end of season two. He gets burned. He appears all burned. Right? That was one of my favorite yeah. things. Is that they don't they don't explain it. There's no exposition. He just comes on screen and he's all messed up. No, no, no. That's say, not no, true. no, no. He gets he gets burned in the season two finale by one of the other uh, by one of the people power from our side. Yeah, yeah. When they go oh, over I mean, there, they don't, they don't explain like how is he still walking? Isn't he in extreme pain? Is he oh, going right. to die? Well, it's, it's like it's the nanobots. They're, you know, right. yeah, they're they're magical uh, alternate right. universe it was, science. It was their way of him. expressing that the rules are different in this universe. That it's not a big deal that this happened to him. That he'll eventually right. get exactly. better, and that you exactly. know people just accept it. We thought he was dead, but no. Well, and and I mean, I like that. That, you know they developed his character i think as the season went along i've heard that i believe he's coming on as a as a regular yes. in in the next season which i am super excited about and i love that they then had the playback where we see his version in our universe who's this like nerdy dude with glasses who's like a field agent at all which was just it was just such a right. nice little touch but at since the we've end gotten of, so used to it at the end of the episode though he says hey i like you guys maybe we could work together in the future it's just yeah and i was like sweet yeah bring him on that'd be great <laughs> Well, and you've got the alternate Astrid, who's like, basically, you know, 
Yeah, she's all messed seem, up. She's like a robot. Yeah, she also, she seems like she has some severe personality. She's a, she's a mentat, speaking of Brad Dorf. Hey. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, um, no, I, I, I really love the fact that the, the alternate universe is different, and yet the characters are recognizable, that you can throw Charlie in there. You know, there's no Peter, well, obviously, well, but everybody else it has it gives you a, license to kill, well, no, not anymore, because Broyles, alternate Broyles is dead. Right, I, I thought more people they, would uh, be killed, actually, but the, yeah, the well, death uh, of alternate Broyles, which was, I think... Maybe the high point of the whole season is that episode where um, the the foe Livia is found out and Broyles is being convinced by alternate Broyles is being convinced by our Olivia that he needs that that uh, alternate is dangerous and he needs to let her go. And the you know, in the end, you know, our Broyles finds his yeah, dead his own, body yeah. <laughs> of himself. <laughs> He seems to have bounced back from that pretty well. I gotta yeah, give him credit. Broyles, Broyles has like the same scenes in every episode, yes, and like it's he has this dramatic too, scene, but they didn't they didn't give him room to like we don't like we're not inside Broyles' head to see how this is affecting him. They gave him maybe one or two scenes where he's supposed to look concerned about the fact that he just saw his own body parts like all littered all over the inside of that ambulance. I, it makes me sad because Lance, if anybody, Lance Reddick, yeah. if you watch The Wire, Lance Reddick is a is a fantastic actor and really yeah. I feel like is is under he has been one of my my disappointments in the show and that i just feel that he's underutilized and they, he could be like the, skinner like skinner was underutilized in the x-files for a long time until still they decided you know what let's make skinner do crazy stuff and then you know well, he's skinner yeah well in the future he's he's a senator with a glass eye so hey he's the he's the authority yeah. you know he's the police captain basically right and it's not, it's a kind of a thankless part um although yeah. speaking of the wire um bubbles is in several episodes too as the all parallel universe taxi driver who yeah, he did fine as that but it's just a little <laughs> guest thing you know yeah i know but again you you see these guys from the wire and you're like well all right I, I just i just have to point out hilariousness i just got a direct message um from a friend of mine um guy who i suggested to watch fringe and who just apropos of nothing just sent me a direct message about watching fringe right now uh, and watching Anna Torv do a Leonard Nimoy impression. Ah, <laughs> and I, and yeah, I was like, that, wow, was, that was not her best moment. Yeah, I had this brief moment of, how did he know we were recording this right now? <laughs> was was that not, I mean, the the whole Leonard Nimoy thing was very strange. They kill him off, and, and I thought that was perfectly good in the in the finale last year. And yet they decided they wanted to go back to it. And so we end up with two episodes where Anna two. Torv does a Leonard yeah. Nimoy impression. <laughs> and then we get a... a a really kind of fun and strange episode that's half animated where his voice Badly is there. animated. Well, it, it was worse than those uh, those uh, Taiwanese things or whatever the guy well, who does. It's things. the it's the waking life uh, technique. Cell it's shading, it's, a, it's yeah. a it's a technique that I, it's not my favorite either, but it, it is a style kind of choice to do that. I, I don't Charles think it was Swab a very good execution of that style. Of that. No, no, but so I, I actually think that was I one kind of, of I, I kind failures. of enjoyed. I kind of enjoyed her her Leonard Nimoy impression. I was, <laughs> it, was amused it was kind by of it. funny, but then you thought that they were trying to going. make you take it seriously, and you can't. <laughs> Two episodes, I, I, really. Yeah, I I don't know. I was okay with it. It didn't bother me as much. I mean, next season uh, she'll no, be I Kirk. couldn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll all I couldn't do remember next I couldn't remember actually from the end of last season how he he was in the alternate universe, and he's there. He basically like holds people off in order to give them time to get back right yeah and then like and there's an explosion and uh okay so we don't see him him die we just well he's in the heart of the explosion and that's in the confusion is when the olivia's get switched i think is how that works right so in in the end um we have uh we have this final episode that's set in the future which is kind of funny that they that they uh have this uh 
almost like a season finale in the penultimate episode where um you know he gets into the machine and there's uh suddenly he's in the future but that wasn't the last episode there was a whole last episode that's set in this possible future i, I don't know um which I, was an I, interesting choice well yeah and i mean i think what what amused me about it was that they explained a lot of things that were kind of lingering questions right like where the machine came from right which and... i had a big problem with because they were talking there was this ridiculous thread about the first people and back before yeah, there were yeah, humans there was a machine and i thought i thought well that's ridiculous that couldn't be possible and i i like to think that that was just set up for the fact that no 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 <laughs> that's our characters going back in time with this stuff. it's a it's a red herring well, right you know well, if, well, they, they did if you're if you want to be lost people did is and they realized well we've 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 hinted at a vague backstory that could be this big gargantuan thing but we better nip this in the bud because we don't you know if you kept dragging it out it was like who are the first people who are the first yeah, people like nothing walter. is satisfying whereas if now you just go snip nope actually it was walter you know and then you don't have to worry about this big backstory of like early settlers on earth aliens and you know whatever crazy thing you're going to come up with better to snip it off of course you still have the watchers the observers whatever right floating that there's still they have so much stuff that they can still go back to but i, w- I want to make i want to make a reference because i don't know john did you ever read the city in the city i tried to read it Indeed, did not. I got like okay. three quarters through. I, I, think I wanna, listening to the podcast ruined it for me. All right. Well, what I think fascinating about it is I feel like I feel like this, it's very similar. They are essentially they seem like breach a little bit, right? And and this idea of these two parallel universes, which in the finale, at least in that particular point, overlap. Um, I don't know. I it, it struck a chord in me, sort of a sympathetic chord in me for those those two. That's, that's funny stories i actually i thought of the city in the city and we're talking about discussed on a previous podcast china meville's novel award-winning novel the city in the city i actually thought that the end result of the final episode of 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 this season sets up almost that kind of scenario except across universes where in the city in the city they're the two cities overlaid um, and there's the one building that they can go in to transfer from one to the other and the two universes are overlaid in this scenario and liberty island basically the statue of liberty is the one place where you can connect from one universe to the other so presumably that's the the way that they take this story next season is that is that now there's free association between right right but people can go in and out is the point right to their other universes so presumably you could have any number of kind of mixtures of people going to one universe or another universe because they're now the door is open and anybody can step through whereas before it was supposedly kind of but not really hard to transfer that to the other I, you know i i have to admit from a from a dramatic standpoint i i loved that development just because I didn't see it coming, and when I, I figured it out a split second, you know, like uh, before they explained it, and I just started cracking up because I just thought, like, because they got that scene where they're all like staring at each other across the room, and the way they cut it, it I just thought they did a great job with it because I slowly, you know, these slowly sort of sinks in like what just happened, and you're like, oh my god, this is going to be, you know, this is gonna change a lot of things. Well, I was concerned well, that what you they never were gonna know do how is- much it will. It will change because you don't know if they're going to stick with it. If this show has shown anything is that whatever you think they're doing from episode to episode, the next episode they can completely change their mind and change direction. I, I don't I think, think they could have. I don't think they could keep those two sets of characters apart any further, frankly, just because of the way the, the storylines were developing. Yeah, well, I, I mean, they already they already killed one whole set of them off, but then said no, no, rewind. Actually, 
what we're doing here is we're teaching the Pacey who's envisioning this, the lesson that will prevent this from, you know, I mean, they just go in so many different directions with any time travel type thing. Right. At any point, any set of characters can be alive or dead. That entire universe was gone, you know, and, and they did a whole show with that entire universe gone. But by the end of that show, they said, no, just kidding. It's actually to teach Pacey a lesson. And they go back. Well, but so it was, I saw the it was obvious, was, wasn't it, though, that they weren't they weren't going to set the rest of the show in the future. That was obvious. Well, that yeah, I know. Well, you in, never know. What I liked you about it was that was like kill the main character. It's like yeah. your sci-fi well, see, time loop episode, except from the other side of it, where you know they're going to figure out that they need to change history, and then they do. I mean, it was sort of watching in, it. It was an, slow. In a regular show, I would say yes, but in this show, like, for example, I saw <laughs> I saw that they were going to do this overlap thing. They would have to meet and figure out how to resolve their differences, because that's the only, that's clearly the way they were going. But then when Pacey disappears, I didn't see that coming. No, that was a, yeah. that was a shocker the idea that they've somehow changed time well, in some not, way and not he no longer exists. only not only made him disappear and have every, you know like not pe- people aren't going oh where'd he go everyone just forgot he existed yeah which now that, was, that bothers took, me a little bit because i don't first of all i don't know whether the actor is leaving the show because in the, in the practical sense that's what you need to know to know where they're going to go with this if the actor's leaving understanding the show, is this is the way you get him off the show he's, if he's my understanding is show, no no if he's not leaving the show what i have to uh, what i'm not looking forward to is next season like, I like the idea of no one remembers that he existed. But if he's not leaving the show, we got to deal with the whole season of people going, Pacey, that name, it means something to me. <laughs> I, I remember to remember. Creek. I loved him once. I'm like, look, if he, if he didn't exist, he didn't exist, right? But then they can't hold to that line because then, you know, where will he be? He won't be on the show anymore. Well, so I assume have to do I, the, the um, emotional, touchy-feely, like, well, he didn't exist, but love endures, and they still remember. And that BS bothers me. Mike, my, my, my assumption... Um, you know, just based on my own feeling, is that he's going to become an observer, basically, or somehow end <laughs> up shave his head. with the observers. Yeah, he's got to shave his huh. head. I, I, I lots of pepper. I'm with John in the sense that I sort of dread the, them stretching that story out, um, because quite frankly, I mean, if they're not getting rid of him and they're not, um, I, you know, it's a it's a fun plot twist. But if if we spend eight episodes of people gradually realizing that he actually did exist, that that sounds like death to me yeah. I'd, I'd much and, rather and it be resolved I like, quickly i like the idea that he didn't ever exist i that's that's good sci-fi to me that he just blink and he's gone and he never existed and you don't have like you don't have these hints of like i seem to remember no you won't remember because he never existed that's but, the whole point like that's that's I, I, committing to you know but it doesn't but make the, sense you, and i think that's probably uh, where they're gonna go with it is that it doesn't really make sense because the whole reason there are the two universes and the one uh, the one has problems is because of the of walter coming o- across and saving his life and that well, it could, and it olivia could make has sense a baby if the observers if the observers like uh, like uh you could you don't know where the observers come into this, so you could make sure. sense of it by saying, "Well, he went back to get his son, but the observers knew that clearly couldn't happen. But one of them had a soft spot, so made him think he was bringing him back. And really, Peter is a manufactured the Peter that he brought back is a manufactured entity from the observers to try huh? to stitch up the timelines. He never My really did hurts. exist, you know, when he died, and he died in both universes. But or they took like him away. In you fact, know? they got so thorough, thorough that they just killed Joshua Jackson. Like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> this is really method acting. They erased <laughs> all the tapes of Dawson's Creek. <laughs> yeah. no, 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 it they was only them, on but VHS. They just Pacey in them. It looks very strange, but it's like Garfield without Garfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it's you know it could be fun, right? I mean, if they do it right, the the idea that one of your main characters has just vanished could could be fun. I just I dread it getting dragged out. Um, we'll see, we'll see. I don't I don't like the touchy feely thing either. He's gone or he's you're not right. Gone. You're I, right. I, I would feel rather see him something. like 
I, I guess I am the only touchy-feely person in this podcast. Or, okay. Well, cool. I'd rather see like Pacey in a different universe where he realizes that he's been taken out of the timeline and wants to get back, and he has, you know, ways where he's trying. Maybe he's there. Maybe he's in the third universe with the other Walter, trying to tell him, "Look, I can't." Explaining his situation and saying, "You have to get me back to my universe," wow. and they're constantly doing things that affect the other universe, and eventually he gets back. You know, that makes sense plot-wise within the fringe universe, but. The, the the business where you you know they did this with with Olivia too like are you the new Olivia or the old one oh, I seem to remember there was this man right, who right. I loved and you know the, the love conquers all stuff the future uh, scenario I thought was I thought it was fun I I thought that it was obvious that we were just kind of dwelling in it uh, in order to see the past get changed and I thought it was a little weird that you know Peter is is his consciousness is sort of taken forward, but then he, he doesn't remember he forgets, it. Yeah. And which seemed kind of right. inconsistent. Like they did that so that we would see what was going on, but that that's not actually what it was. So I thought that was kind of confusing, but it was interesting to see, all right, here are the ramifications of this future. We destroyed the other universe, which is what you thought we were going to do because you wouldn't destroy our universe. And it, but it turns out everything is bad. So that's not the solution. So we have to go for some other wackier solution. I, you know, I, I enjoyed your adventure. That. Go back. Yeah. Know. Yeah. We got to well, do, I mean, do I, it again. What they did a great job with is the fact that the whole, um, the whole the future universe feels very fleshed out, you know, very realized in terms of it's it's distinct, right, from both universes. It's kind of got a little bit of both, but at the same time, it's its own thing. We get to see, you know, Olivia in a higher and basically like Broyles' job, and we get to see her, you know, niece as a as a rookie fringe fringe agent. We can see Peter actually finally gets to you know carry a gun and everything. And I I don't know. I felt like a very it was a very sci fi universe, which was why kind was of, Walter uh, in jail? That was just there was no justice in that. I guess like, we don't, all the, things, the thing is, we, it was never clear. I well, think no, they put no, him on trial. It was clear why they were saying he was in jail. Right. They were saying he was in jail because it's like you did this. You know, our universe is falling apart, and it's basically your fault. But of all the like, everything he's done has been motivated in good ways, and he say he saved the universe effectively so many different times. You're going to blame him for like, well, if you I had th- never I tried think, to save your son, I think we they be deliberately tried. I think they deliberately, you know, d- despite the fact that they did say yeah, she was put on trial for that. I think we're deliberately missing piece of pieces of that puzzle in the same way that you know we're told that Broyles, you know, lost his eye, and Peter says something about, well, you know, you remember Detroit? Like these are things that are clearly, you know, were deliberately yeah. left out. And I mean, I read I like it. Walter should be in jail in the primary universe twenty times over for the stuff that he's done on <laughs> Un- unwilling victims and to the universe or whatever, but no, he gets a pass in the prime universe. But in this future universe, they say, hey, wait a second, this Walter guy's really screwing stuff up for us. Let's Me- put him in jail because it'll make us feel better. Meanwhile, in a really nice twist, the Walternate is the only survivor of his universe and is just right. wandering around, which, you know, on one level, talk about a guy who is a kind of a bad guy, but I guess everybody's sympathetic to him after we yeah, kill they feel bad. They feel bad for this horrible mass murderer who's trying to destroy the universe, but Walter isn't there. Walter yeah. is in jail, but Walter, and it's okay. We feel bad for him. Yeah. We killed his whole universe. It's like a pity freedom. But I do love the fact that the wall, that Walter is, is wandering around and plotting and that that's, I thought that was a really nice touch that the idea of, of him without, without the rest of his universe. Cause honestly, I thought going into the finale, that what we were going to get was something a little more devastating, like they would, you know, they would blow up one of the universes, but there would be kind of missing pieces or extra people on one side. And so that we, you know, we'd have some more of that kind of um, missing, you know, or just mismatched pairs of of people. But um, instead they, you know, 
I think we were all sort of led to believe it was one universe versus another, right? That was the whole setup. And so that final episode serves as saying, no, 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 you can't do that because everybody dies or we figure out a way to work together, which, um, you know, is a cool looking to next season, I think is a, a really cool idea that there, everybody does have to work together and, and the doors are wide open and, uh, and both universes are experiencing these strange effects and it, it gives them, a lot of room for for a different kind of storytelling next season than they had this season where we had the the parallels going back and forth. I don't think they spend enough time talking about or hinting at I mean this this is something like I don't know maybe we can not be too heavy-handed but talking about why it is that people within a particular universe feel an allegiance to that universe. Because Peter's the perfect foil for that because he went over to the other one and he's like oh this is my real dad but maybe I care about these people and it's like by by what thing are you choosing to care about the people in your year? It's like it's like liking the sports team that that's closest to the place that you were born. It's really just arbitrary. And then they do are, all the are time. Are you saying like, you Patriot... wouldn't fight for our universe, John? Is uh, that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm saying like you know they wow. do this Patriot Act stuff with the police state, and they do they do all sorts of like you know subtle, not so subtle political statements. But never do they question the premise that well, of course the people from this universe want to, want to save the people in this universe and hate the people in the other universe. And it's just it's such a sort of you know. Uh, unquestioning xenophobia that really makes no sense when they're, they're literally the same people and our main I mean, character is actually from the other universe but in this one you know yeah i think it's i mean you know you can you can view it as a comment on patriotism if you want you know if you really feel like sometimes people but they, have but they, the never, they never explore it like you never see the characters I, arguing even when peter was trying to figure out what his allegiances were and stuff they never it's always like on a personal level like which olivia do you love more right uh, but it's never like why? Why do we not care about the people in that universe? Why are we trying th- to save our universe at the cost of theirs? It doesn't no, really make any I sense. Think that's think why... I mean, I think that's the that's that seems like kind of a no brainer to me. I mean, like I think that's how people would act. Well, yeah, but I, I don't think oh, you'd have I, a I lot of people going. Like, like, maybe know. this other universe ain't so bad, guys. <laughs> I think that's well, why they you, have. You know, if you go over there and your mom's still alive, and you know your friends are basically there, but maybe you have a, a they have better jobs, and you have like, I, you know, it, doesn't, it just seems arbitrary. To <laughs> the me. Dodgers are still in Brooklyn, you know. Right, exactly. You know, well, West Wing's so still on. I wouldn't know. Vortex sucking in matter nearby. <laughs> no, I think the reason that they have the alternate is to set up a villain who is sort of ruthlessly committed to having their universe win and destroy our universe to kind of offset some of those questions. And what I I'm like hoping alternate more is like. Uh, like he's upset because someone stole his son. That's his origin story, right? But it's twisted him and an turned excuse. him into this, you know, kind of power yeah. mad, mad. I mean, he's know. the he's you can say it. He's the emperor. He's got a little hologram he of does him. Have the hologram, Come on, <laughs> but it's not flickery and blue, so he's much better hologram technology. Than he, he does have much better hologram technology. We should talk about Star Wars sometime, but not this podcast. <laughs> Uh, no, the the um, I'm hoping that next season we'll get a little more of that, where they're forced to work together and therefore forced to perhaps recognize that um, you know the universes are different and uh, and not one superior to the other, and that you know since they're kind of tied together, that's the whole premise is it's not you can't just destroy one and let the other live. They both have to find a way to survive, which is cool because that that turns that story on its head. Although my wife kept on repeating a line from. I believe it's Stargate where there's a parallel universe episode and Teal'c says at one point, our universe is the only one of consequence as he is like mowing down parallel versions of people. And that there's something to be said for that, that just pure chauvinism of like, really, I don't, I don't care about these other parallel universes, whatever. It's mine. I want my universe to survive. But the other way to view I mean, it that, is it's billions of people as... over there. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But it's that sort of short sightedness strikes me as just totally realistic like people would just yeah people would just be like 
I don't know those people. That's like a totally yeah. It but looks like you. my friend they're or your relatives. Basically. Oh, they look I mean, yeah. well. They look like me, but that, I don't know them. You know, no, like know. They, well, you think you, the the regular people wouldn't be saying that, but the protagonists in the show who are constantly dealing with this alternate, like they're they are the people dealing with this problem abstractly like that's that's a little too weird even for us right (laughs) well pacey is like i said pacey is from the other universe and yet he's chosen this other one to fight for and why don't they say like hey you know we're we're gonna kill everybody in supposedly your universe but you seem to like this one is it because just because you grew up here or you were here since you were like it's basically nature i I moved to i moved to the west coast when i was a kid and that's why i like the giants and it's it's nature nature versus nurture john so that's what it comes you know, down to. One of the things about the show that has always fascinated me, and we got a lot more of that this season, um, but it, it it started last season as well, is is the fact that at its core, this show's premise, the, the most important thing about this show is this very sad story about um, parents losing a child. And that, um, and I, I really love this about this show, that the entire universe, two universes, are put in um, just is in, in existential peril because a guy wanted to save his son, and and not a particularly nice guy too. That's the best part. Walter was not not a you know like a loving not dad a great who father, just couldn't right. like he was he no. was doing horrible yeah. things to children. Yes, he was. Experimenting and through this him. through his refusal to let his own son go, you know, like has this whole he has a good character arc, and it is you know I I like most of the characters in the show because the evil guy is kind of evil with good reason, and the good guy Walter was not really so good most of his life. Right, right, and has has sort of removed parts of his brain in order to diffuse to try himself. To turn, he's castrated himself mentally. Yeah, yeah but I I just I love that that at its core, I mean that that's the beauty of the of the whole Peter Walters relationship and in the last episode we saw that where he refers to um Walter as his dad but refers to Walter as his father um yeah. which I thought was really a, a nice way to 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 handle that is that you know he he's in this position because um Walter couldn't save his own son but realized he could save the other one and you know messed everything up but it came from this you know essentially an act of love uh, in a very sad situation but also a, a supreme act of of arrogance right that you know kidnapping. i kidnapping yeah yeah and, well, and he's willing I can to, break he's willing the to accept the guy from the other universe he doesn't mind he's not other universe prejudice we got to come up with a word for that <laughs> universalist oh, yeah, universist universist that's right Nice. Well, he's well, got no choice. He lost his Peter. He's like, well, I'll take the second best Peter. You know, that's the joke in, in Futurama that I love, which is that they come to the edge of the universe and see the parallel universe where they're all wearing cowboy hats. And they say, we'll call your universe Universe One. Well, we'll call our universe Universe A. <laughs> Everybody likes their own universe the best. Come on. It's just the way it works. And that'll be the, the scenario next season, I guess, which um, they'll prepare for lots of, uh, you know, split screen shots and stunt doubles and... <laughs> If, if the show That's goes good. on long enough, they will have to eventually have like the big reveal at the end of some season of like nine hundred different universes where everyone has subtly different facial hair. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, like that—that's the one thing that always kind of bothered me about this show is what is the rationale for two universes? Yeah, I, I assume no, there's it, an. It, act. Doesn't, it doesn't make sense if you think about it. We went over this last no, time with the that, universes oh, we, diverging. That, yeah, I can't. That—that's the one that kind of blows me away. Well, it's like I, I try not to think about I don't it know. too hard. They, they, you know, there is. Why are there only they two? Have, well, I'm just saying. Well, the, there might only be two because they're linked. Because the one that 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 uh, Walter burst through to is this other version, and that now they're kind of stuck together. But, but just the, all of the other ones have the, like the all like other infinite number of universes all just have dinosaurs in them. 
That's all of them. These are the only two with humans. Well, yeah. the fact that these two were like identical, you know, identical except for the Zeppelins on on the day yes. they were linked together is the ridiculous bit. You know that that they're they're obviously different they're even before there was the whole burst through, and now it just it's a TV. Yeah, it is. You know, yeah, but you can, I think so you can explain it away. And they may actually tell the story at some point about, you know, what was the divergence point or why is it like this? Or they may just say, you know, let's just say there are two. Okay. I, I think Suffice they may just say there are gonna, two. I mean, like, they're, they're, they're like Battlestar where it's all going to be God. The parallel. I think, I think no, it's the Watchers. Or the, sorry, they, we always want to call them Watchers. They're, they're the Watchers from Marvel Comics made into yeah. TV characters, right? Observers. The observers. There's a difference between observing and watching. And it's yeah. just who watches hint. the Watchmen, but who observes the observers. Right, observers. because in the Marvel comics, there's the bald guy who lives on the moon, and he watches what happens and record, and, and occasionally will interfere, even though he's not supposed to. And those bald guys are don't live... Well, maybe they do live on the moon. I don't know where they live, but that's the observers in Fringe. They're yeah. clearly Starfleet officers violating the Prime Directive. So, so well, more seriously, Dan... Um, Sorry, the, I don't do serious. By the way, the Star Trek thing, I, you're very confusing. You, you referred to the evil Captain Kirk earlier, and most people think of the Parallel Universe episode of Star Trek. Spock. But there wasn't an evil Captain Kirk in that episode. Well, except for I was thinking scene. about the one with the transporter accident where he gets split I, into two I was, versions. I was going to say, kill, you know, kill us both, Spock. All right, good. I just wanted to clarify that, that, that you were referring I know what I'm talking to the about. enemy within, not mirror, mirror. It's a very important distinction. So Nerd. Thank you. I'm on this podcast. <laughs> they don't let you in if you're not a nerd. I mean, Wasn't oh, there an evil spy too? The in mirror, in mirror, go, mirror. He had a goatee. The yeah. mirror yeah, universe. He had a go- Once you have a goatee, you're evil. Yeah, that's yeah. the definitive goatee. Equal that's why evil. I used to. Ha- I used to have a goatee. I got rid of it. Hmm. So I, you? you don't know which one I am now. Yes. Yeah. So the alternate universe, Dan Moran came and replaced you. Yeah, he, he the good one. Yep, that's right. Both of those, right? Yeah. Well, actually, the evil one is in your attic now. I don't have an attic, but yes, that's, that's the uh, primer connection from the last uh, episode. Thank you. Yes, I can't believe I didn't get to be on that one. So disappointing. <laughs> Sorry, it's because it was all all live live in California. Yes, you have to come to California for that. Sorry, D- Glenn was job. upset about it too. He's like, "Why didn't I get an email?" It's like, you know, we were just all had to be in the room in the room. So yeah, it's sad. Where now? I I I lost track. There was something. Else. What were we talking about? Sorry, you were saying fringe. Something about <laughs> the fringe next season, the universe, oh. the evil versions. Uh, because you, then you talked about the evil. Why versions. there were just two of them and they were linked. Oh yeah. Okay. So I I got it. So more seriously though, about the about the observers, um, where are they going with this? Because they they keep they keep being in it a little tiny bit and saying kind of maddening things and and. At first, I thought the show was going to be about the observers <laughs> because they kind of appeared first. And now we've got this whole complexity of these parallel universes. And now I have no idea what they're planning with the Four-toed observers. Toad statue, Jason. Yeah. Four-toed uh, statue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're right. I, I agree early, with that. Shown early on, and it's the one thread that they refuse to really pick up or snip off. And it's just you got to always have something in reserve. And since they're so vague, you can really make up anything you want as their explanation at any point in the timeline and not be inconsistent. Well, the four because, toads, you know, the four toads be... statue was a lot later and lost, but, but uh, it was season two, wasn't it? The, I think it was the last uh, episode of no. season two. Last yeah, episode of season left. one. No. Wasn't it? No. no. Last episode, of season, last episode of season two. Yeah. It seemed like it's... pretty early Whereas on. Whereas the observers like were like in the fourth episode. episode. That was my favorite part well, of lost was that four toad statue. And they just never went back to it. Oh, John, that's sad. There are lots that of things he did. I, I feel bad for you. Reveal, the best reveal ever. 
Yeah, why does it have four toes? Well, no reason. <laughs> because this show is called Lost. That, Boom. That was as high as that was as high as they could count. So I, I guess it could yeah. be I guess it could be pointless, or they could make it up. But I just I, I wonder where they're going with it because they do seem to be like the are they like the well, police of parallel right? universes or something? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, they they I have mean, some say in like maintaining the timeline, right? Like they seem yeah, to. They have a prime there was that episode saying, where like, she saved interfere. the girl, right? The, one of the guys saved the girl who was or tried yeah. to save the girl who was supposed to be on the plane or whatever, right? I mean, we keep getting these glimpses. So, I mean, I still think back to that first one of those first scenes where there's a scene. Wait, isn't there a scene where like Peter like meets one in the woods and he starts doing the they do the the rip off from the Doctor Who episode where he starts repeating him and then he starts suddenly yeah, saying yeah. like what he's saying before he says it. So, it, but I never understood what so, the point so of that was. Is it then maybe that they're showing that they know they know the future and the past and the present? There's obviously squabbles. Yeah, yeah, but he could have just so had it. Not... Clearly, he can just have a normal conversation. We see that happen in other episodes. So they have a time <laughs> travel thing. So maybe by introducing the time travel thing in this last episode, that's what that's where the observers come in. Is that they're not as concerned about the parallels as they are about the the like messing up the timelines? Maybe to observe. Have we ever seen an observer in the alternate universe? Mm, that I don't know. Stumper. Well, and they appear. The thing is, you got to keep. You know, I think there's probably a Wikipedia page that will answer this question. Um, but they appear in a lot of different episodes in the background. Yeah, fringe. Uh, I them. think it's FringeTelevision.com has a whole page that is uh, the Observer sightings too. Yeah. Well, wouldn't that be interesting if they never were in the alternate universe? What would that say? I don't know. Are you on the writing like, staff of Fringe, Dan? You're confusing <laughs> me with your. I'm looking for. I'm looking for uh, suggestions. <laughs> That's a maybe. There's a wizard. For anyone actually who has never seen the absolutely brilliant, uh, there's a YouTube video about the writers' room of Lost, which just starts with them saying, "We are so screwed," <laughs> and then coming up trying to come up with all these different answers for things. What if there's a wizard? And I don't like wizards. What if there's a witch? <laughs> it's pretty. The observer, I think, is in the parallel universe too. Are you checking this? I am looking. Back checking. I am looking right now. I don't know. Um, I mean, that would seem to me to be a deliberate choice at that point, right? right. If the observers never never appeared there, and that, that seems like there would be a, a point to that. But <laughs> our maybe, universe maybe, is the only one I'm of consequence. Hoping. Well, I feel well, like what it happened. doesn't have to be a point because they haven't really decided. The only yeah. thing they've decided is that these guys are not like all powerful, all knowing, because they do argue with each other, and there are like black sheep among the observers doing things they're not supposed to be doing and getting yelled at by the other observers and having to go fix their mistakes and arguing right. about what the best course. But they're they're all working towards some sort of goal, which is for things to turn out the way the observers think they should and turn out. They're all snappy dressers. Yes, they're all exactly the same. The um, you know, ha have we seen the fringe uh, writers? Because all the fringe writers may be bald. And this may be <laughs> the fringe writers on the show saying, no, the series Whoa. has to go in this direction. They're like we, the we're the embodiment of the writers. But the writers that, got, that, got dark, that got Dark Tower at the end there. Again, with the um, with the uh, uh, Observer thing being the Marvel Comics watcher, is that in the, in the Marvel Comics, the one who's assigned to the Earth is uh, breaks the rules and is looked down upon by his, his uh, peers. And the guy who's Walter's pal, who we see, the main Observer... Does the exact same thing, so right he saves them from crashing. I'm just waiting weight. for a bigger racer to come and you know start erasing characters, Daffy Duck style, you know. <laughs> well, it, they could take that animated episode, do a sequel to that, and then that Leonard Nimoy right. could be erased at some point. 
Well, we just have it. It only ends up with there being one person left. This is all inside Walter's head in the insane asylum. Uh, Boom! No, no. It, it, it cuts to Pacey in an all-white universe. And in Dr. he's just in, in, all in by Dawson's himself. Creek. No, he's all in by Dawson's himself. Creek. Because nobody like else it. exists in the universe. He's just been parked there, and he sh- he begins to act out episodes of Dawson's Creek. If they, if yeah. they would should, go... He should just the, pick the, up his head should... from his desk on Dawson's Creek, and this is all a dream as he drew. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's New period. Heart. It's the second New Heart series. Yeah, yeah, Katie Holmes is I, next that, to him saying... That would be hilarious. He'd fall asleep again, I mean, Casey. Maybe get people really, really angry, but hilarious. <laughs> do you fall asleep again, Peter? I mean, Pacey. What? Yeah, where, where do you think they can go with this with this series in terms of like as the show goes on? Like at least Lost, they're on an island. Presumably, the the resolution will be having something to do with them getting off the island or everybody dies. Yeah, but they, they threw that in like con- season four. There's, there's a central conflict and there's a direction you can go. And but with this show, this you know if you're gonna say well the direction is one universe has to win. Like there's no. There's no natural ending to the no. story. Even the X Files had a more natural ending because it was like, "What happened to his sister?" and other aliens, yes or no. Like there was some sort of central question. But this show is more about we've set up some characters and some situations, but there's no overall goal. No, I and think every season well, they give it like a mini goal, but there's no like big big arc goal. Well, right? it seems like the big arc goal is that that well, at least now is both universes survive instead of one universe fights for survival. It's both universes survive. And I could see the end of this show playing out as being essentially, you know, they split the universes apart and solve whatever. Everything's all patched up. Yeah, either that or there's a sort of a terrible price to pay where they do end up merging them together in order to save them. And half of the people have to die um, in order to make that oh, happen or something, which is seems very cats and dogs living together. I, I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I could see that there are some directions there. Uh, I, I wager I would wager heavily on the existence of of other parallel other universes parallels? before the end of the show i i would yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. if, if it goes on if it goes on longer like if you're a writer on this show like you don't know how many more seasons you've got so you have but you have to plan for something like you have to plan you have to plan to work towards something on lost right. for example if it was castle after the second season it'd be like well we were working towards getting off the island but we didn't have enough time so it's clear what you were trying to do but you didn't make it but this it's like every season you know, if the if the goal really is this kind of tepid, you know, universe is screwed up in episode one of Fringe, uh, you know, is already screwed up, and the goal of the series is to put band aids over all the holes and make universes without holes in them, so that it's like it's like normal, like right. that's the goal is to get back to normalcy. That's the end of the series, but it dies of boredom. It's like, well, we've we've cleared up all the universe holes, so we're sure not going to have any more of these crazy fringe cases. And, well, not and, not uh, if they have to know. do that, you know, at some sort of horrible price. And there's some you know interesting character things that maybe. Go but on, if but... you're going to do the horrible price thing, you have to know, like, okay, this is going to be your last season, guys. Right. So write an entire season's well, worth of stuff to resolve the storyline. You know? Hopefully, they'll they'll actually give them a heads up in that case. It happens from time to time. But I mean, I see. I mean, I can picture an ending where they they patch these two universes up and then they like pan out and there's like a gazillion more universes. Or they yeah. blow a hole yeah, in another universe or or if, um, maybe the observers enough, you have to. Maybe the observers bosses it, it, their boss is actually like Uber Walter from the future of a, some other parallel universe who's decided that he has to f- take control of all the uh, all the parallel universes to save them from themselves. So in, in the, the future, they all have to shave their Walter. heads because of lice. That's a terrible that's, universe. That's, the, the lice, the, where the they're lice... trying to avoid that. All the observers have gone back, like, man, this lice thing—it really sucks. We got to try to stop <laughs> John, it. John, you know it that's that's not that's not true because they have hats. Oh, the lice going hats. Well, the, the, the hats are the hats? lice proof. At, at the end, observers will fall into a pit of lava, and an alien will burst out of his stomach. <laughs> 
All right. That's, I will watch that show. That's awesome. That's the... Alien Three. Come on. Oh, I know. I, I oh, I hate that movie. Oof. We don't have any. There's yeah. We yeah. We we have yet to have more. David this Fincher? show needs more robots. More robots. More robots on Fringe. Yeah. Well, Massive Dynamic, right? I mean, they're supposed to be. You got the it, robot on. Why haven't they built any robots? In, in terms of yeah, Massive it, Dynamic, is like, what do they do yeah. to make money? <laughs> they have they every build patent. crazy stuff, man. They have every patent for everything. They're like Microsoft and Google and Apple and everybody else all put together, and they own. Well, we've got like this Halliburton. really nice building in Manhattan. Yeah, they, with a lab. They have every patent on every technology ever because they invented yeah. them all in the seventies. Yeah, you want to uh, you want to build soul magnets? Tough. They've got the <laughs> patent. The soul magnets. So, so it's Halliburton plus Aperture Science. Yeah, yes, that's exactly. essentially it. No, but if you think back to them not really having as clear a plan, the first season it was definitely set up as being that that massive dynamic was this this big you know enemy, and they were the behind these mysterious things, and then it turned out, oh no, that it's yeah. just the guy's a buddy of Walters, and they invented lots of stuff. That was a weird thing. like they. I agree with that. That's just such a strange decision because they were clearly set up as antagonists. Yeah. And except Walter owns people them. that they they needed to okay. keep going to them for. It was. It reminds me of kind of like a Wolfram and Hart in Angel. It's yeah. like ah, oh, it's the evil science people. Nah, you, why don't you just? Well, Fringe, you, you loves you play the misdirection, though. They love to you know set up something that could be a perfectly valid conflict, but then resolve it with a fizzle and say, "Ah, we fooled you. That was actually a misdirect. Really, there's this other thing which is also interesting, and then you're off right. to something else." Right, which I don't like the baby, stupid Olivia's baby. It's like you know, baby. Anytime you have babies in these shows, it's a big deal. No, they just wanted to grow them real fast so we could activate the machine. Are we going to see that baby again? I'm assuming we are, but it's like, (laughs) you know, it's not not that big of a deal anymore. I love that we're over the baby. That's the best handling of a fake pregnancy in a TV show (laughs) ever, where she's pregnant for one episode. (laughs) Yeah, and they they could do with time lapse, but they don't. One episode. That's how long it takes a baby to be born in the alternate universe. Forty-two yeah, minutes. Yeah. Well, they have to do some magical, like uh, you know. No, nope, nope. Forty-two minutes. Magical intervention. Television time. People in the alternate universe seem to have lots of flexible morals. Not just Walter Nip, but all of his helpers or whatever. It's like, yeah, sure, we'll kidnap your. Uh, I love. Your I have to either. say that is one of my favorite. I love the science guy in the alternate yeah. oh, universe. Oh, he's evil. Because he's, I know, but he's yeah. such a dork in our universe, which is, it just cracks me up. He's like this totally unassuming nerd in our universe. And he's like this deeply sinister scientist in the other one. Well, he's an unassuming nerd in the other universe too. He's just has, he's asked to do more interesting things. I think if you took the nerd in our universe and asked him to do these same things, he'd be like, okay. Well, not just he's into it for the science. He doesn't wow. care about think the people about as a this. sociopath. These two universes are providing great control experiments for each other. Well, not to get too too <laughs> yeah. uh, you know deep into the analysis here, but something that was brought up earlier is the idea that you could view th- what happens in that parallel universe as being you know entirely about how we can, given a, a different set of circumstances, we could go down a, a much darker path, right? And so the faux Olivia is she's different and she's darker and she has no problem with killing people in our universe when she crosses over. And we've got this perfectly nice scientist guy who is like, a, you know, like Dr. Mengele in the alternate universe. We have alternate and we saw how he behaves and, and, and the, it is a police state. And, you know, I, I it's hard to believe there's I not some commentary. A, in, in I, think, I guess there. I feel like in some of it, it's, it's just that they've, the circumstances are so much more heightened yeah. there. Like they've been dealing with all these holes in the universe for like 20 years now. And there's just, I think they're very much more inured to that. And maybe that's just how they, a you know rubbed off on their right. on their what they're willing to do especially because well, consider we are seeing these is, like 
this is very what I'm extreme saying, right this is yeah. that's the whole idea no, about i agree about, i agree you know you know there's a terrorist bombing somewhere and immediately everybody lines up to um get rid of their uh of their rights in exchange for some security or a feeling of security right i mean that we've yeah. seen that ourselves in our in our own country not to get too political about it but i mean it's clear that that happens and societies are placed under stress and sometimes the way they react is maybe made maybe based more out of fear than logic and it's got to be part of what they're saying about this alternate universe i do enjoy that they they make you know, despite the fact that, as John says, they like to misdirect and that we've seen a lot of stuff change. I do enjoy, wasn't there a recent episode where they referenced, like, the second or third episode of the show? Oh, yeah. They, they talked about with the bus. The, yeah, with the uh, with the yeah. amber, how how they right. invent their own the amber. Pattern. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that was that was kind of an interesting callback to something like, hey, you thought we forgot about this. Nope, totally got it covered. Well, isn't it? <laughs> and I think there's, the, there's the probably a dozen. Just, there's the probably a dozen more favorite silly elements on in, in the show. Because like if you're gonna if you're gonna repair like holes in space time, they they decide to go with the it's like it's, it's practically like a culinary solution. It's, you know, it's like it's like an insect product or some sort of goop. We've, Instead of doing like the scientific time you want to really glue the no, universe we, no, back yeah. together, it's more we, of a we have brown goop. Right, we have brown goop. Really, <laughs> is what we use. It's the best thing for it. Really, it's caulk. It it it's temporary, but it'll you know it'll keep out the ants. Snake oil. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, the and I guess the pattern. If we're talking talking about season one and the pattern, I guess the pattern ended up being a pattern of of things from the people in the parallel universe who were sent over as agents or something like that. Yeah, it was just little holes in the universe and weird things happening because of them, either intentionally because of other agents or unintentionally right. because of like soft spots. It, it all connected. It it is, you know. It was again. It was a thing. Like, is this what the whole show is going to be about? This pattern? No, that's leading you to the next season. Which you know, clever. They, this show is very good about building on you know, doing something and not getting stuck in a rut, not getting stuck in a you know, because even something like X Files, which a show is clearly based on, got stuck in the rut of uh, monster of the week. Are there aliens? Yes or no? And they did that for so many seasons, pretty successfully. But still, this show has, has like the pattern, and they say, "No, season two, we're going to explain to you what is this pattern. What are you seeing here? Ah, the pattern is because Walter did this thing and broke these universes, you know. And then after that, the characters don't spend all this time going, "What's going on with this pattern?" They know what's going on now. They're on to the next thing. The pattern is because of this other universe. Now let's fight with this other universe or deal with the, the issues there. You know, that's that's something I like about the show is that it, it you know it moves on. I agree with that. I think that it has done that better than the X Files. The one element in Fringe that I haven't liked that reminds me of the X Files is the um, the shape shifting creatures uh, well, with, yeah. that you can kill in a certain way and then they kill people and take their identity and and they in, in this in this show they have like mercury for blood or something like that and i just it, that's such an x-files concept with the shape-shifting assassins and i just it seemed like a really weird and bad fit and there's like an episode where there's a u.s senator who's been replaced by a shapeshifter and I never liked the the you know the shape shifting assassin thing in the X Files and it it didn't work here either. How do you how do you judge this both of you? How do you judge a show compared to the X Files at this point? I was not an X Files fan. Oh, you, you're so disqualified. I, am, I tried. I am disqualified. I tried. I did see the movie. <laughs> I, I, I I I tried to get Dan interested in the um, Darren Morgan episodes, which I really like about. I love the X Files, although my my feeling about it is really tarnished by the fact that it went on too long. Um, and it fell into its own. I, actually, I I think that's a show 
that was better when it was Monster of the Week and a lot worse when it was about the mythology because the mythology went on too long and became nonsensical and I, I just stopped caring after a while. Um, and with Fringe, I feel like... Um, the mythology is the good the stuff. The mythology Fringe, is the right? good like, stuff. It's kind of sprinkled in yeah. that first season and you're like, oh yeah, more of that, more of that. And then the second and third season, like every season they increase. till third. I feel like this past season, almost entirely mythology. Yeah, although and that was great. My problem my problem with the way Fringe handled it this season is that they, they had some episodes that were meant to look like Monster of the Week and they all turned out to be mythology related. And that, I think that, that makes sense, lame. though, because <laughs> because Monster of the Week is like, what are these weird things that are happening? Eventually, if you make any progress, you figure out, oh, They're I see why these things are happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, there well, is nothing. It, it I mean, there was logically. no reason for any of these things besides the universes is what we're learning. So right? what, I'd, what I'd say overall is that I think that that overall I feel better about the series and the series arc than I did about the X-Files. But I don't think that the series has hit the highs of individual episodes yeah. of the X-Files. That was that was my take on the beginning of the series too, and it continues to be the case for for, for some, whatever reason. Like I don't know if it's because there are more characters and they have less time to spend on them, but the, you know, X Files was about those two characters, Mulder and Scully, with a really simple setup, and it's just just executed so well. X Files had fewer moving parts, it seemed like, which sounds ridiculous when you think about the big arc of X Files with all these crazy characters. But, but really, when, at its core, there was like two main characters, Police and you spent so much time with them, yeah. and you know they really developed them, and and you believed it, and it was like. It was more affecting, you know, when those characters had problems because you you felt like you knew them. And I think uh, for the like the the one-off shows or the little silly shows, X Files just had real snap on those. Like, you know, I, I can't think of a yeah. good ones offhand, but like Fringe has more of a like low, a slow burn type thing with occasional like crappier episodes, but it's like roughly at a you know yeah, it's like a it's solid like in the but not outstanding. Yeah, it's like mediocre. Like ne- it's never fringe is never really embarrassingly bad, which X Files occasionally was embarrassingly bad. It's never really embarrassingly bad, but it never it can't break through that. Like I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the ensemble cast. Maybe it's because they keep moving on from different plot points. It never really breaks through to e- either to like the hilarious highs of like the the X Files episodes where they had the lone gunman at the D and D convention or that one where they were in the forties on the boat. Like there's so many memorable. X file or even like the, the the what is that one with the guy from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond with the apple pie? Oh yeah, that's Clyde Brockman's Final Repose. That's one of the ones yeah. I yeah. Right. I mean, so there's so many just amazing episodes. No fringe, no single fringe episode has has gotten close to those levels. And you, but you keep watching. You didn't fringe even because mention like, the Circus know. Freaks episode, and you didn't mention the one with the cockroaches from outer space, which are also among my favorites. Everybody and has everybody has their favorites. They're, yes. they're, no, but I th- I would argue that there are like six or seven that are these just so clearly kind of brilliant X-Files episodes that are, yeah. uh, you know, if you had everybody make a list of ten, that there'd be six or seven that would be on every single one of them. And and Fringe, yeah, I think maybe it's because it is a little more serialized and and even from the start and, and certainly after the first season, they've had very little opportunity to do those kind of more standalone episodes. And, you know, maybe it's just that it's just not it's just not funny. Like the X-Files could, there's could be no, really funny. And, and if Fringe there's is one funny. thing that Fringe lacks, Walter it's, is funny. it's a sense of humor. Walter is the only funny thing really on the show. Um, and I have to say, you know, like and, and that's good. But like a lot instead of with yeah him. but i mean like he's he and part of it's just john noble's performance is i think great you know and he's he's such a weird eccentric character that you really he is funny but i the show lacks a, a sense of humor because i feel like what's you know i think what helps in a lot of other shows that are kind of along these lines are like you know you get the idea that the characters think that the stuff is ridiculous and not just like 
not just, you know, unlikely or like impossible, like, oh my God, how is this possible? But like the characters seem to have almost a tongue in cheek, like, you know, like vampires, really, you know, aspect of it that, that, that makes sort of the humor work a little bit. And there's no, I don't feel like you don't get that necessarily in this show. Yeah, like it takes too, itself too very seriously. Yeah, like, yeah. Think of what's the, what's the assistant's name with the curly hair? Astrid. Astrid. Astrid, right. So she, her character is so unfailingly earnest, but we never learn anything about her motivations or her life. And she's just kind of there in the background, but she's not wisecracking or snark. She's just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. She's just like an automaton, even even the good version. And I, I'm thinking of another show because Dan is speaking, and I'm reminding of shows that he ta- that he turned me on to, uh, uh, Terriers, which also had a fairly big cast of characters, but like was just so much more fun. Yeah. With well, the much, game, they, I mean, with, with they did a much better happening. job of drawing the those two main characters, right? And even the sub the yeah, the, all the, the other characters. Everybody was fun. Everybody had some sort of you know. The, the scenes they were in were interesting and fun. They had some sort of thing going for them, and it was you know. But whereas the filler characters in Fringe are just kind of like, they're just yep. they're just reading their lines well, and fulfilling it, their plot isn't points. Isn't it you telling know? that Broyles and Astrid? I mean, Astrid is amusing in her connection with with Walter, but a little but, bit. That's but, her only definition. But, but Broyles and Astrid are kind of blanks, and it's telling. I think that um, somebody like Lincoln ends up becoming a much more interesting character. And that they're adding him as a regular, where they found this other character who actually, yeah, he he's he's a kind of more interesting guy, and and I I'd like to see more of him. Where you know some of the characters they've got are kind of duds, and and Broyles is, I mean Broyles, wow, we know Lance Reddick is a is a really good actor, and and he's just you know he's boring. I guess you know Nina from from Massive Dynamic is his girlfriend or something. It's just not there's just nothing there. It's just not that they, interesting. They tried to give alternate Broyles a. a more story for the one episode right. before they sliced and them they, and diced them. And then they you got to see his family right. and like what his what his deal is and his motivation. It's like, nope, sorry, you were killing him. We're gonna the, the the premise of this show is kill interesting characters, right? Until only uh, no, the no, boring. No. Survive. The premise of the show is don't have too many characters that are too interesting. Don't be too interesting, or else you yeah. might get killed. Well, that that's exactly. the thing or about you might the, get canceled like terriers. That's the thing about the parallel universe, right? Is in many ways that parallel universe team is much more dynamic and a more interesting cast of characters, and maybe are you could argue massive? that you couldn't you couldn't carry that for for every episode. But I don't know. I I think that they in some ways the writers got a little bit of a mulligan and they got to sort of retell the the fringe cast you know and retell the fringe story with this different cast and uh it was more interesting with a banter with charlie and lincoln and and you know the olivia over there the parallel olivia is is more kind of spunky and and you know it, it was it was kind of uh it, on one level it was a lot of fun on another level it really kind of put the serious you know no. gray boring, characters boring. on our side into relief do they have guest would, writers on this on this show, or is it like? Well, most like, shows. I mean, you know, they they have a probably a, a certain number of like writers in like their room. They're basically. Um, I don't know I'm, if they I'm thinking do like spec. as compared to like Doctor Who, where they'll they'll bring in uh, Neil Gaiman, or you know, or they'll just have Russell T Davies do a whole lot, like, or even on X Files. A lot of those X Files episodes would be like, uh, you know, they would bring in other people to have either the, the idea for it or different persons to direct or whatever. Where there was a personal stamp on individual no, episodes. No, whereas this Fringe is all is like, out of the writers' room. As, yeah, Fringe. I mean, like homogenous well, yeah, team. but you've got you've got a decent number of people who you know have you know na- you, like the first season had some episodes by uh, Zach Whedon, 
I think Joss Whedon's brother. Yeah, he was on he was on the staff. Um, and, and they J.J. Abrams, you know, has contributed well, a bunch. Akiva Goldsman. Goldsman was like an outside guy who was a fan, but he's now a consulting producer. I think they they formalized their yeah. relationship with him too. Well, so it's, it's mainly those two. You know, uh, what's Pinkner and Wyman are the, the two the showrunners. Yeah, the showrunners who who write. You know, the vast majority of them. Um, yeah, yeah. I you, you usually end up. That's how it goes. You know, people go in and out too. Well, it's just it's much less of a uh, an, an anthology, right? I mean, the, the Doctor Who, for all of its story arc that they're trying to build into it, is essentially an anthology series with with recurring characters, which is a great thing about it. And the X Files was so standalone, especially early on, that it was almost like that. It was like the Twilight Zone with a couple of recurring characters who are the people who investigate the Twilight Zone thing that happened right and and i think that's much more conducive to having that you know director or writer parachute in and do an episode and then take off than something like fringe it's the downside of having that kind of nice tight uh serialization is that is how do you fit some you know somebody's script in even neil gaiman had to rewrite his script for doctor who a bunch of times because they kept moving it in from season to season he kept having that yeah, they just give you like setup. two or three points like here's the plot points you have to do for the arc story and yeah. within those bounds feel free to do anything like at some point someone has to slide open a little thing and you see a, a woman with an eye patch but other than that just go <laughs> <laughs> yes i was i was shocked when oh, that happened by the way, kill Rory. episode of fringe right very strange when the eye patch lady appeared in the future yeah. in fringe they, they, should have, the they should have a cameo in fringe where rory comes in from the side and gets killed off you know, and falls to the side I, just a blue box appears a, off to the side yeah, in one episode i have a dream that uh that arthur darville in the future will appear in various other shows and be killed horribly just <laughs> poor guy for fun but this is not even the right podcast. That's totally not the right podcast. For this. So, oh, is it, so all uh, these podcasts are happening simultaneously. So all, all in parallel universes. <laughs> so all in all, um, all in all, despite the fact that we kind of bagged on it, I still enjoyed the show. Season? This? Do you think this was a yeah, successful season? I, I think yeah, it was. I think successful. it was. I, th- I mean, I would argue hands down the best season of the show so far. I mean, I feel like it really. It's one of the few shows on television that I feel like. Uh, Torchwood's another good one kind of a similar show in some ways improved every season <laughs> like to the point where it's like yeah okay you're you're actually getting to a point or you're developing your characters into something that's interesting and I feel like hands down the third season of Fringe has been the best so far and they keep doing different things so if you keep doing different things I'll keep watching because yeah. it's not I don't get you know that if I get annoyed that they did something not as well as X-Files which is pretty much everything they do it's like well so what watch next week they'll do something different you know, you won't constantly be. It's not the same thing over and over again. It's not. It's not CSI. You know, alternate universe. It's not one of those cookie cutter shows. It's not Law and Order. You, it's harder to get sick of, even when they just do like, yeah, it's kind of mediocre. You're not doing a great job, but I, I want to see what they do next. I I'll keep watching. I don't like Anatov's Leonard Nimoy act, uh, impression. That's okay. It'll only happen for an episode or two, and then you'll never speak of it again. So right, it's just like her child. I don't like this baby plot line, but I wait two episodes, you'll be fine. Yeah, she had the baby. Forty two minutes. Amazing. That's how we do it right. over here. And then the next episode will be a teenager, and she'll be on the FBI, you know, Fringe Division too. Her baby, <laughs> right alongside her. The um, the uh, they give babies guns in this universe. Yeah, I think badges. I think this was a good season with the, you know, I think I think it kind of had that sag toward the latter half before they geared up for the finale a little bit. But um, I love also that they went back to the to the flashback episode. They had a, another yeah. one where they had the like eighties opening title yeah, sequence oh yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love the the different title sequence which is those are, those are such great. a good job yeah. of making 
John Noble look like 20 years younger too. It blows me yeah, away. So they have, he's like a plastic face, I'm telling you. Yeah. And you're right. You're right. They have the they have the red and the blue for the two different universes. They have the gray right. one for the future, and then they have the 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 super 80s uh, electronic synthesizer version with the with the 80s font. And, uh, and the 80s technology. And very they like, change, they the change all the words for each one, too, which yeah. is interesting. When yeah. you saw the future one, you know, I, I yeah, paused like it to see what words stuff. are they going to say are important in our future, you know? And, I, did, um, I didn't see App Store in any of the words flying <laughs> towards me, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> that would have been great. Like, you know, you biotechnology, App Store. <laughs> we can't let I this think, future happen. I think this show has more openings than any case. other show that I watch, except for maybe Supernatural, and that's my patented Supernatural reference there for you. I, I was going to make start watching earlier. the show. Dan keeps referencing. I'm afraid that. <laughs> that's my goal. That is my goal. The, um, but the '80s episodes are great because it's got that look around you. If you haven't seen Look Around <laughs> yes. You, it's that it's that uh, nice faux '80s of yes, we admit this is what the '80s were like. It was very cheesy back then. Um, that's that's yeah. The Doogie Howser theme music sounds kind of like that fringe music. That's do, 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 do. that's right. It's just like it's a casting. It was making me think of MacGyver. Oh yeah. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Yeah. What are the words for that one, Dan? Do, do, oh, we gotta get Richard Dean Anderson guy. on the fringe. Oh god, we do. I love him. He's so dreamy. The hair. <laughs> he would be. He would be perfect the hair on is fringe. Great. Oh, he would be perfect on fringe. Actually, that's what this show needs. You want it the. You want to like. Yeah. I have to say, like, I, I've not. I was not a regular watcher of Stargate, but every time I tuned in, you know, or caught an episode. Richard Dean Anderson would inevitably make me crack up about something. He's just like, he was just so good. And yep. like, he's the guy, right? Like, he's the guy like, aliens? All right, sure. <laughs> like, let's do this. <laughs> nope. That would be great. They should add him as a regular. I'm all over Yeah, that. I don't think Richard Dean Anderson's going to go back to Vancouver ever again. <laughs> I think. Hey, they, Fringe is filmed, a lot of it's filmed in New York. No. No, no, this you is... you got those seven exteriors done in Boston. So, right? so here's the story. Uh, this is probably not for the podcast. Of it, so, so, I thought they filmed a bunch of it in New York so, in the first season. Okay, so here's the story, yes. So oh, in the did. first season, yeah. the uh, state of New York had a tax credit for um, for film productions in, in, in New York City. And so they shot Fringe. They set it in Boston, but they shot it uh, in Brooklyn, actually. And then as they're wrapping up the season, the governor says... We don't want to have money for Hollywood productions in our state. We'll cancel the tax credit. And uh, <laughs> and so the producers of Fringe said, well, we pretty much are knocking off the X-Files anyway, so we're going to shoot it in Vancouver now. So they shoot it in Vancouver with maybe an occasional exterior yeah, that they'll... Right. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing yeah. the whole section. Well, they filled all the Boston exteriors in season one, and they just keep reusing yeah. them with... Incidentally, yes, as John and I can tell you, the Boston exteriors are often hilarious. <laughs> Actually, almost anything to do with either the geography's not bad. Like clearly, they've got a map. But my favorite episode, <laughs> my episode remain, my favorite episode re remains when one of the characters refers to the city of Waltham, <laughs> and I just was like, "What? You don't have a single person on your Shaw staff who knows that's not how it's pronounced? How's it pronounced? <laughs> Waltham." Oh, well, that's totally different. It's not, it's not Waltham. It's Waltham. <laughs> it's a totally different it word. Sound, it sounds wrong to the people who live here. And if you're like, you know, it on a sounded, show with that much... You would it, immediately be like... A show with that much money, you they could spend two seconds to get a fact checker to say, how do you say the name of the city? must have known that. It'd be like saying, oh, yeah, it's out in Worcester. <laughs> <laughs> that in, you know, in Star Trek IV, they, um, they're standing on the... Uh, 
on the Oakland side of the Bay Bridge saying, if we could only get to Alameda, which is basically where they're standing. Kind of came across someone, was, someone was begging but, Star Trek Four. Who was it? Was it Ren? Someone was putting down Star Trek Four in that episode. Star Trek Four is great. Uh, it's not great. me. I brought it up. You brought it up. No, it's a great episode. I know. I'm trying to think of who it was. So I, can give I was gonna. I was gonna also throw out my other favorite Boston-related thing, which in the first season, the Red Sox. Uh, no, the in the first <laughs> oh, season, in Fringe. there's an episode right. in Fringe where they talk about uh, we we have to catch the suspect. He's at we spotted at South Station, and they show this like exterior <laughs> shot of like this cute little train depot looking like yeah. quaint little train depot, and I'm staring at this going. What? They didn't even, like, they could have gotten exterior. I mean, South Station is a pretty big station. It's and then when they go inside like, it, though, it was bigger on the inside, I think. They've shown th- scenes in South Station hardest, that it's like, station. you know, Grand Central Station and not actual. Yeah, it's station. not quite as large as Grand Central Station, but it's more along that line than it is along the line of a cute little train depot. Isn't it nice that they actually attempt to set a show in Boston, though? It is, and I love that the Federal Building is also the Hancock Building, which is great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know quite under the location. It's, it's like we're picking the most distinctive-looking building in. Yeah. Well, look, you've only got two tall buildings in this whole damn Podunk City. We're going to do the Hancock Building is the Federal Building. It's not the, the Prudential. Will the Prudential looks else. way too old. That's the massive yeah, dynamic. The, the Prudential uh, will be the will be the sixties when they go back to the sixties. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well they go back to the seventies for the Dharma Initiative. And they have, I, I do, I think there was an episode with a serial killer in Somerville, which made me nervous. Yes, I was worried for you. <laughs> there is I, a serial killer in Somerville, I, I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Feel much better now. Hey, there was an episode where they mentioned Newton, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the places they show, just, there are certain things about a city that are iconic. You shouldn't show them unless you're going to do them. Like, they show trains that are not MBTA trains, and the trains yes. in Boston look a particular way. It's like, New York City subways look one way. MBTA trains look very different, and you can't mix them because it's just off-putting. I meant to ask you things you disliked about Fringe, but generally positive. It's nice. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> generally positive? I, I have lots of complaints about it. It's just like it's, yet, you know, it's, it's you mediocre. It. It's not. It's, you know, it's there. It's there. It, it keeps moving. You, and you keep watching it. Yeah. So basically what you're selling – again, I've just signed off, Wait. and we're going to come back to this, but – um, what what you're saying about about Fringe is that you may not always like it, but it's like like a boxing match. It keeps kind of dodging, so you can't get really get a beat on it, and it might you know. No, no, I have plenty of things else. to criticize about it. It's just that it's it's inoffensive. But I, it is. I think it's. I think I agree. I I, I don't think it's a you know an A plus level kind of show at all. But that it's a you know it's a kind of a fun ride and they have had there are you know some things in that story arc that are that are just a lot of fun to watch the twists and turns but it's good, at the same good time story ideas not very well executed yeah <laughs> yeah it makes me miss lost though doesn't don't all these shows make you miss lost a little bit yeah for all its warts yeah yeah i i agree i agree i i i like fringe's ambition on one level on a story level that reminds me of lost a little but lost had so many other things going for it in terms of execution and acting and characters yeah, and, no, i'm yeah. not looking forward to anything the way i look forward to like for example the the good early middle part of Battlestar or the the next <laughs> episode of lost i would look forward to those <laughs> I, I like that is the Battlestar is the good early middle part because yeah. yeah, that sums up my feelings exactly there's like five episodes that are pretty the sweet Caprica episodes no you know my fear about lost is that um my dad always used to talk about how he loved the rockford files and then when it went off the air there wasn't really anything good on tv after that 
And I fear that that I am going to do that now. I'm going to be like, yeah, well, you know, lost one off no, the air. There'll and, always be something yeah. else. Like because with me, that was the X. That was you know, that was Moonlighting. That was the X Files. That was you know, there's always some show that's that's you know, steals your heart. But there's always another one that comes along. All right, but until Fringe returns or we decide to talk about some other show, uh, I would like to thank my guests, Dan Morin. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. And John Syracuse. Thank you. Been a pleasure. Yes, a pleasure as always. But until next time, this is Jason Snell for John Syracuse and Dan Morin for The Incomparable. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>